back, movie fans. I am back this episode. Michael Myers is back for a sequel. And guess what? We have a special guest. We have the Halloween super fan, Sean, the man that if he had a hall pass, he would use it for Parker Posey. And, 100%. And Good yeah, choice. Glad to have, glad to have him on board. Yeah, He's man. also part of Inside Baseball, our Lost Screen 3 episode that some, we might see the light of day eventually, some bits and pieces, but. Oh, it's sure? weird because that was that was actually the best podcast anybody has ever recorded. <laughs> yes, I know, and nobody will nobody will ever know anything about it. And that was legendary. Lost to lost to the sands of time. A shame. I was saying that like the next episode, Cable and I recorded that was weirdly the episode that made me feel like we had a real podcast because every podcast that's legitimate has a lost episode that eventually like, ah, oh, we recorded this thing and the audio didn't work. So we're sorry, we can't release that one. And that, like anything, all the huge podcasts do that. And then when we had a lost episode, like, oh, wow, this, we're just like the big boys. We're the... In a serendipitous turn of events, serendipitous? I, get, I got to be on it. Yes. And that's where I was going to go with that. <laughs> Michelle got her break. And yeah, hasn't looked back really. No, whose podcast is it now? <laughs> it's your podcast. Thank you. The <laughs> Michelle and Angus like show. Defeat. You guys you are. You can't after bring guess. the group chat into the pod. It'll just explode. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. That way. For, for anybody that um, is just listening to this, isn't actually watching it, then you should see the dominance. Michelle is in one quarter of the screen, and she is asserting her dominance on the two regular um, podcasts. <laughs> Hosts here, they she has made them their bitch. It's amazing. <laughs> it wasn't hard either. It's an unsettling dynamic that we settled into pretty quickly, uh, frustratingly, but happily, uh, we're all here to talk about uh, the sequel to John Carpenter's Halloween, Rick Rosenthal's Halloween, which ugh, it doesn't sound right straight out of the bat, <laughs> out of the gate. Uh, it was the first of, of many things that uh, changed coming around to the the second installment in the still ongoing Halloween franchise. In fact, I don't know if tonight was the official. Uh, premiere, but I know it popped off in the group chat about the same time I saw it. Tonight was the first time I saw the official trailers for Halloween go up for Australia. I've mm-hmm. seen like the the Halloween ends ones go up, but this is the one where Jamie Lee Curtis is now officially addressing Melbourne and asking them to go and see the final yes. girl for the final time. They're really, right. really leaning into the fact that she's going to die in this one. That's kind of the promo. She keeps saying, this is my final time as the final girl and kind of winking and uh, I, I, I really hope they Let's- don't killer let's let's be honest the only time that they're gonna stop making them is when we stop watching them and the only time jimmy lee curtis is gonna stop being in them is when they stop paying her like yeah, she's so having a bit of a career not... resurgence at the moment i don't think she'd close it all for yeah no she'd be absolutely out of her mind plenty of bank um, on, on these new halloweens and i'm pretty sure like while she's intimating that this will be her last round the producers have already said we're not we we like the Michael Myers thing. We're not adverse to continuing at some point down the line. I just think this part of the the story arc will be closed off at this point, and then whether they continue with future episodes, prequels, who knows? I mean, well, that's that's the good thing about rebooting a series uh, for the third time is that you can kill Laurie Strode for a third time, and the audience is like, "Yeah, she'll be back." It's all right. We don't mind. Because <laughs> if she does die in this trilogy, this will be the third time they've killed that character off, which is pretty impressive for one ongoing series that just keeps know. coming in and back and out of itself. Um, when did we all see Halloween 2 for the first time? When was our introduction to the sequel to the masterpiece? When did you say it, Sean? I, 
I, I genuinely don't remember when. It was one of those ones. <sighs> Scream, much like everybody else in here, was like the big one for me, opened up a lot of doors. And part of that was discovering Halloween. And Halloween 2 would have just been one of those weekly VHSs that I picked up at a video store when you got like 7 for 10 or something like that and just slog my way through them. So I really don't know. I, I, I genuinely couldn't tell you the first time I seen it. It was, it was a while ago, though. I mean, like, I'm 40 in a couple of months, and Scream came out when I was, like, 13. So, I mean, that's how long ago we're talking, like 25 years ago. Well, I feel like we had the same experience. Mm-hmm. I had the same thing. I watched Scream. I became obsessed with Scream, and then I watched the scene where Randy was watching a movie at the house party, and I was like, what is this movie? And there was no internet. So I like watched them and was like, oh, Hall- oh, that's Halloween. He talked about Halloween, that's Halloween. Then I went to the video store and I found it on VHS. And then next to it on the row of all the VHSs was two and then three and then four. And then I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be a good summer. And then I just grabbed armfuls of them, went home and watched them all. So I think yeah, VHS was definitely the big introduction for me. I was going to say that one of the funny tidbits about Scream in regards to Halloween is that when Randy's talking about Halloween, some of the shots that they use on the TV is actually Halloween too. Is you it? You know that? Yes. I didn't. I thought yeah. it was, Um, I always thought the shots that I didn't immediately recognize were shots from the uh, the TV release of Halloween. Because when the, afterwards they went and reshot some shit. And I think in the TV release version of the original Halloween, they shot stuff where they talk about Michael Myers is, uh, is uh, Laurie Strode's brother. And then edit it into the first one so that it was like, yeah, it was always that way. We didn't just retcon it. But I didn't realize that was Halloween 2 in Scream. Mm-hmm. There you go. It was right right in front of me the whole time. I had no idea. When did you watch it for the first time, Cable? How long has this been in your life? Wow. Now, to be totally honest, uh, Halloween 2 probably hasn't been in my life for a long time. It's probably only been the last couple of years I've actually probably really sat down and watched it in, in its entirety. I think Halloween 2... Um, Similar to Sean, I would have seen it around that Scream era. Again, not in totality, probably, you know, one of those things where you go to a party, people watching videos, you put them on a bit, very similar to that Scream scene, but you're not really necessarily pulling, uh, you know, concentrating fully on the movie. You're talking to people and stuff like that. So, because I remember the whole hospital scene pretty well. Um, I mean, obviously the girl getting dunked and actually incinerated in the, in the spa, the hydra bath. Uh, I, I remember that when I was young, but I, I, yeah, again, like I said, like it's only something in the last few years revisiting, and especially last year when they re released um, the definitive 4K sort of edition last year was um, the first time I really got to see it really the best way possible. But uh, yeah, it's not one that's been part of the high rotation compared to say H2O and, and the original. Yeah, H2O, I, I pumped that hell out of that one that was a matter of availability for a lot of us though wasn't yeah. it because h yeah. was one of the few ones that was rated m and it was yeah. easily easily accessible for everybody where halloween 2 was right no halloween halloween 2 and 5 were rated r and they were a fucking nightmare to get your hands on when you were like 12 yeah. see no, i didn't have that problem because i hung out at the local video store so much from like the ages of 10 onwards that they just started letting me rent whatever I wanted and then eventually just gave me a job because like you actually know more about these movies than us. Can you just come and work here and tell people what to yeah. rent? You so are I Randy. Had, 
I had yeah, I had an open door policy. I oh, I look it it deeply deeply scarred me when Randy died because I was like, oh, that was who I identified with. <laughs> that now could I don't. Be me. Have... Yeah, <laughs> and like, I guess my fourteen year old self doesn't have a personality. And Sean did touch on something really important too, like the video, uh, the movie came out in nineteen eighty one, and would have been on home video not long after, or even whether it was a couple of years after. But by the time we were like sort of looking to get our hands on it, a lot of video shops didn't have good copies of those particular movies or all of them all the time. So. That was the other thing that I, I feel like I remember seeing the stacks of, you know, Friday the 13th and Halloween and all these movies, but you always felt like there was always one or two missing or they didn't have a really good copy anymore to the point where they never replaced it or they couldn't replace it. So That was one of the great tragedies of being a film fan in mm. the mid nineties, wasn't it? Like mm. kids these days, just, I don't want to sound like my dad, but kids these days just won't understand. If you don't understand what it would have been like, to learn about a film, to learn about Day of the Dead or something like that, and then by hook or by crook, I've got to get my hands on this thing. It wasn't like six keystrokes in the Pirate Bay and then you'd have a copy of it to watch in an hour or something like that. Like, I used to get on my... I used to live in Frankston South, and I would, like, ride my bicycle to, like, fucking Seaford, which is, like, five suburbs away. It's a hell of a ride. it's like 15 kilometers to go to a video store that I knew would have one of these films that I was chasing. And then when you got to the video store and you had it in your hands, oh, it was like fucking manna from heaven. Mm. It was it was amazing. And kids these days, they just won't, they just don't get it. I just well, don't think they'll get it. I was watching the the documentary uh, In Search of Horror the other night, which is like the, the huge four and a half hour documentary about 80s horror movies. And one of the sections they mm. have is... Uh, the box art and the importance of the VHS mm. box, VHS box art, because that's how so many people chose their horror movies. And I, when they said that, I had like a, a visceral reaction. So I was like, oh my god, I remember pulling Halloween and Halloween two off the shelf, and Halloween had like the pumpkin with the hand that turns into the knife, and Halloween two had the pumpkin that was like a skull carved out. It was like a painting. It wasn't a picture. There was no Jamie Lee Curtis. There was no Michael Myers. It was like the the black background with the orange pumpkin with the skull carved in it. And I remember looking at me like, this movie is going to fucking rock. And I was so excited. And I knew nothing about it other than Jamie uh, the, Jamie Kennedy had to- spoken about it. And then he was in my hand. But yeah, that, that physical reaction to holding this thing and looking at everything, it's lost. You know, you flick through Netflix now it's- and the, or Stan, this, I think the Halloween movies are on Stan at the moment and you flick through and you find Halloween 2 and it's just like a still of Jamie Lee Curtis in the hospital, in her hospital mm-hmm. gown, just like from one of the shots. And it's like, that doesn't inspire anything. <laughs> like that doesn't make Ooh. me feel like, oh, and even though I know I like Halloween movies, when I queued it up on Stan this time to rewatch it, I was like, <sighs> all right, I guess. Like, there's no, they're not selling it to the future generation. There's nothing in let it that makes people like, ooh. Let me slap on a fake smile and plow through this shit one more time. Yeah, like, it's, there's none of that. I, I actually looked uh, up to yeah. see if I could go and buy it. Um, because I, I don't own a physical copy of Halloween 2. And I was like, I'll go and buy like the, I've got most of the others, but for some reason that one I just don't have. So I was like, I'll go buy it and, you know, watch it on mm. Blu ray and have the physical connection. You can't just, like on a whim by Halloween two on no. Blu-ray, uh, you've got to like special order that shit. It's not just around, like not even no. DVD. You can't, you can't just go get it, which really no. makes me sad. Like we're having resurgence. It's so weird. I I had a call. Co- I've got a copy. I used to live in New York, and uh, to my little apartment in Brooklyn, I got delivered the Scream, the Shark Factory, and um, box set. 
on its first release, which was in 2014, 2015. Mm, yep. And it had every single copy plus Zombies 2, definitive editions of everything. It had like, it's it's got Halloween 6, the, the, the release cut, and then the producer's cut. It's got mm. Halloween, the TV cut, and then the theatrical cut. It's got every, it's got like hour long documentaries on every single one of them. And I cherish it so much. I mean, not only the fact that I paid $99.95 for it at the time, and now it's worth like 1100 bucks, 1200 bucks. Yeah, like I was going to say, I'd probably those... pay close to $1,000 to have that myself oh, man. at the moment. But, like it's, it's... But, it's, but, it's, it's, but it's exactly like you say, is like having that definitive edition, that high-definition Blu-ray copy just on the shelf next to my Fridays, next to my Nightmares, next to, like it's just... There's something very pleasing about going to the shelf and being able to pick it off and then put it in the Blu-ray player, as opposed to, like you say, lining it up on stand. It's just too accessible. It kind of ruins the magic a little bit. Yeah. And I found myself like watching in increments this time, which I've never done before. Like I, I because it was just there on stand, I was like fitting it in around like, all right, you know, the, the kids are at school. I've got an hour before I've got to go do something. I'm just going to like, pop it on at 9.30 in the morning, which is a weird feeling for Halloween too. And just like drinking coffee. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that bit, that bit. Oh, I got to go and then pour it. And then coming back later that night. And it, I think that that connection to, I don't know, the thrill of like 80s horror is is waning a bit without physical copies everywhere. And because they're getting harder and harder to get the physical copies, people just aren't, they're not doing it. It's like a specialty thing now to go and have a Blu-ray copy of Halloween too. It's not just a thing you can do because you feel like it. Uh, when, did, when did you see it, Michelle? When did you see it for the first time? Half an hour later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm waiting. I'm sort of out of my depth. I watched it probably for the first time earlier this year on Stan. So ah, so you I, have none of that. No, and I only watched emotional connection. The original one probably last Halloween on Stan. Wow. Maybe we can get Stan to sponsor us for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I I got so lazy. I watched it on stand as well because I was in and out, similar to you, Angus, doing uh, school holiday sort of stuff. So I had to watch it in in and out and uh, save myself getting getting my copy out and physically putting it in. I mean, I could watch on the iPad and my phone and walk around and just double check a few things I wanted to talk about. And, yeah, but do I you have say, a copy cable? Yeah, I've got the 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 release from last year, the four K. Right, of course, yeah, yeah. Which is this? It's the same as probably what you've got, but they've just amped it up a bit. Same yeah. scream, shout factory, whatever. So, um, and then the last three movies are coming out this year or next month, which is H uh, two O Resurrection and Oh the Curse, but that's coming out in a special box set. You can't get them individually. Those are the ones that you can actually get on a whim on DVD. I think because they're. Are they yeah. Dimension or someone else owns them? But if you yeah. can go and get Dimension the Halloween collection the and it's the weirdest thing, it's like Halloween yeah. 6, H2O, yeah. H2K. And you're like, what the fuck? I, I, actually got, I actually got those ones a couple of years ago on Blu-ray from the States and it probably cost me six US dollars and a friend sent them across with the other stuff. So it never really cost me much. And it's only one disc and it's all three movies on the one disc. That's crazy, That's, isn't it? 
That is the minimum effort that, yeah. that distributor put in. Absolute fucking minimum effort, yeah. you lazy sods. Some, I reckon whoever owns the distribution rights in Australia has picked up the distribution rights to those films in like a package deal because they wanted to get something else. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I really want to get yeah. like the Critters series. I reckon we could do a good release of Critters. And they're like, yeah, if you want that though, you got to take these three fucking things. <laughs> yeah, like, Buster Rhymes in Halloween. And it's in the contract. you got to release them at least once. Like, ugh, just one disc. Just put them on one disc. <laughs> just get it out. Get it out of my house. I hate it. But that comes later. First, we get Halloween 2, uh, the, the first of what became many, 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 many sequels and reboots and remakes. And famously, uh, John Carpenter didn't want to do it, didn't want to go back, thought there was, is quoted repeatedly as saying, there's no more story to tell, and then wrote the story <laughs> for the sequel. He wrote the script. Uh, multiple rumors. My favorite is that he wrote it in a night with a six pack of beer, um, sat down, bashed it out handed it in, regretted it ever since. Um, how did we feel about a sequel to Halloween existing back when we first started watching them? I had no issue. But I'm, I'm actually surprised when you look at the timeline. Like, I'm sure there was reasons why, uh, whether it was bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis and some of the other characters and uh, uh, Loomis, or, uh, sorry, Donald Pleasance. But it's actually sort of surprising that 78 was the first one and this one's 81. Mm-hmm. That's a bit of a gap for a sort of quickly churned out horror film that the first one made a lot of money for the amount of money it made big box office for the small amount of money it costs. Normally you'd think that would get them to churn it out a lot quicker. So I, I wonder if in between, you know, a couple of the years and, and maybe uh, Jamie Lee Curtis being busy, they kind of like, oh, we kind of need Jamie Lee. And, and like I said, maybe it was twisting John Carpenter's arm, but it, three years is a bit of a bit of a gap, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think sequels weren't as big of a thing. I think we got to remember, like in '78, people weren't chomping at the bit for the next one. That's exactly really. right. Se- sequels, sequels weren't really a thing at the time. Mm. There's a, there was a number of things that happened. Was that John Carpenter had done Halloween and they had, they had created it as a standalone film. They they were aware that there was an open end to the movie yeah. and they were happy with that. Which and was they were smart. Just going to leave it. Yeah, I completely agree. But they were going to leave it at that, and that was going to be it. So his next priority, once he finished Halloween, was to move on and do The Fog. So the, he went into the entire production of The Fog and all that kind of stuff. Jamie Lee Curtis was in that as well. Plus, like you say, Jamie Lee Curtis's career had started to take off, and then it became like this thing where the producers of the first film sold the rights to new producers, which was the Akkads, who still own the rights to it just now, particularly the sort of patriarch Mustafa Akkad. And he ended up pushing John Carpenter to try and get it, come back and do another one. And it's just, yeah, I think it ended up being a kind of uh, doing it for the dollars kind of thing, unfortunately. That's my understanding of it anyway. Yeah, I think he, in interviews, he, over the years, has changed his uh, his take on it, as John Carpenter has wanted to do with with more than one one or two things. Sometimes he, he gives the the nice version and then a few years later he's like no this was actually happened and i think his most recent version is that he he knew that it was going to get made he wanted the money yes but he was also like all right you know jamie lee curtis is going to come back if you know all these people who worked really hard to make this first film are going to come back and if the people who watched it want another one i kind of feel bad giving them the finger and be like nope uh so he's like i really couldn't bring myself to direct it but i you know i could write it and and do the score for it and kind of be looming around in the background a little bit and still put my name to it so that the fans could be like, oh, hey, John Carpenter's still involved so that the film would still get a bit more of fanfare than if it was just a totally new 
crew of people coming in to make it. Um, and I think that's probably the closest version to the truth is that it was out of sort of some sort of a, a felt obligation to the fans and to the, mm. the people who made the first one to help make the second one, even though it wasn't something he was super keen on um, and has repeatedly trashed his, his script over the years has said he just, he really doesn't think he did a good job and he's really disappointed with what he did. And the older he gets, the more kind of short and, uh, uh, and, and direct. And he would, he would be right to be disappointed as well. <laughs> there you go. That's and there's the perfect in to what Halloween two became. It's a different beast for a film Oof. that takes place on the same night, uh, which is a really important thing. Like this film picks up, it actually starts overlapping with the end of Halloween. We get the final confrontation between Laurie and uh, uh, Michael and Dr. Loomis all in the house. And we see Loomis shoot Michael off the balcony and we get the line that was the boogeyman. And matter of fact, it was. And then the great, like, I'm convinced that the producers put that in just so they could get Donna Pleasant saying, you don't know what death is one more yes. time. Cause it's such yeah. a great line. <laughs> Uh, and then we just keep going. The movie just keeps going as if, you know, it's all been filmed in one hit. But almost, you know, three minutes in, you realize it's a totally different film we're getting and that you realize, oh, this is a different director and we're going to have a different night on this Halloween night. Michelle, did you like it when you watched it recently? Because you don't have any of the, the, the memories that we have. No, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it the first time. But watching it again tonight before this podcast, I was kind of bored. But the first time watching it, it wasn't bad. It's slow, isn't it? It's not yeah, like, it's this really is a slow. Slow film. Yeah, I like went up and got snacks and came back and was on my phone and like didn't miss anything. And it feels quiet, isn't? Maybe it's just the versions I've watched. But my memory of Halloween two, whether it's VHS or DVD or now streaming, I always feel like I have to crank the volume because it's really quiet. Like the sound quality is not good. Maybe I I don't have the super fancy 4K Blu-ray short and cables. Are better for you guys? Like, is this a quiet movie? Am I insane? I don't, I don't I don't I don't have a 4K no, but it is it is still a relatively quiet. It still is a quiet mm. film, but like you say, more quiet than I remember. Yeah, like every time they're shooting a scene in a hospital, it's almost like they're in a real hospital, yeah. and everyone's like, "Now we have to talk really quietly because that guy's actually sick," and it's just like what? I missed half of what you just said. Until the score comes on and blasts you out again. Yeah, mm. well, look that, and I, I'm not angry about that. You know, if there's one bit that you want to hear clearly in this movie, it is the score, you know, with those beautiful yeah, right. stings that come in. But yeah, it feels, I don't know, it, it feels like they were going for a more brutal film. Like there is some, oh, yeah, stuff blood. that happens in this. There's, well, there's blood. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. very important distinction between that and the first one. Um, in trying to make it brutal, it's almost like they forgot to do the rest. Like the, the momentum is gone. And nothing happens in Halloween for most of the movie. I think that's what a lot of people forget. In the first Halloween, it's like an hour and a bit of just build up and then yeah. mayhem at the end. And then still, when you get to the end, there's only four people who get killed in the whole movie. And then this one immediately, he starts, he kills that girl on the phone and then he's going in and just killing people in cars and he's off on a, a murder spree. But it's almost like they forgot to build the tension. And maybe I was wondering, I don't know what you guys think, but I was wondering, is this a bit of the Jaws 2 problem? with Halloween too. Like in the first one, he's the shape, he's the boogeyman. He's, you know, this, this specter that's looming, that is the human embodiment of all our fears. In the second one, he's Michael Myers, AKA Laurie Strode's brother. Like, is there just too much humanity to him? Does it, have we seen the shark in this one? And it's like, no, nah, all right. Going to get that butcher knife again. I think there's definitely something to be said for it. It makes that horrible 
choice that so many disposable sequels, particularly of the 70s and 80s and even 90s, they always did, is that they, they, they mistake brutality and gore for scares. It's not the same thing. Where the first film, like you say, Michelle, there's very little, if any, blood. It's all implied. It's all creeping shadows. And he's this presence in the background until he's not. And then he becomes this juggernaut of just, he's this unstoppable force. Where the second one, it's an odd beast because it's almost the exact same everything. It's the same cinematographer. It's the same producer. It's the same writer. It's the same stars. It's the same. It's all these things are the same. But the one thing that's different is the director. And it drops the ball so badly. Halloween 1 is this work of it's like unmitigated genius. It just, it, it, it was genre defining, genre changing. It was as much about the craft of filmmaking as it was about the experience. And Halloween 2 forgoes that for gore. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's like Michelle says, it's boring. It, it's a it, boring film. It kind of makes me think back to Scream 2 when Randy starts talking about the rules of a sequel and he's like, you know, the body counts always higher. Carnage candy. Oh, I was waiting for that. Well, it's so true because it, it is so different. Like you said, that it's, they've ramped it up. There's a lot more kills in this one. But then, of course, we see a lot more blood. And definitely, even for the time, some of the kills are pretty brutal. Uh, like the syringes in the eye or in the, in, in, almost in the temple. I was like, what the fuck? Even the and blood then, draining out of her arm, like yeah, yeah. yeah. There is some some gnarly. I mean, I think the the most famous and best kill of Halloween two is the boiling the nurse alive. Yes. In that. that is that's just insane how brutal you know, that is. But you know what's crazy? That the funny thing about that is this. Well, I guess just before that is the biggest jerk of the movie in Sleazebag. His kills kind of a bit off camera and implied. Like you see him get strangled a little bit but it's sort of shadows and a bit of distance. It's like, no, he should have got the brutal one. Everyone wants to see him get it. And it's like the poor chick gets bloody face burned off. Yeah. And then, again, I mean, I think we're, you know, you're comparing apples to oranges. If you're yeah. trying to talk about how John Carpenter made a Halloween movie and then Rick Rosenthal made a Halloween movie. But in the first one, when the, when the friends die, you know, when, when they're getting strangled in cars and, and stabbed and the camera lingers and it holds what's going on like a bit too long and you're like oh this is actually really fucked up what i'm watching and that this makes it scary yeah. yeah or just simple things like when he he stabs bob into the wall and then kind of the cock of the head as he takes it in and you're like oh fuck this guy's like really crazy like loomis was right everything he said is right and you have that build up of loomis being like telling everything about how he's you know he's got no soul he's got no conscience he's the devil and then you see it happening like bro whereas in this one a, the, the people that he's killing, we have no attachment to. Like the first kill is just a girl on the phone being like, oh, it's this guy. Like these aren't Laurie's friends that we've spent an hour getting to know with, you know, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's excellent dialogue. It's just like, oh, that was right around the corner. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know if that character has a just, name. Yeah, they're literally just cannon fodder. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I, they, I think Halloween 2 is responsible for a bit of the, the change in slashes because mm. Halloween's only a slasher in reverse like it's only a slasher because it existed and created a genre that we called slashers and they're like well that was the original slasher 
but when you watch it compared to the others, it's like, no, no, no. Like you're, you're told to care about the characters. You get to know them, you know, their families, you know, their friends, mm. you know, their lives, their boyfriends, you know, their schedule, you know, what they're getting up to this weekend. You, you know, a lot about them before they are brutally murdered. And then the second one is like, oh yeah, so we brutal metal teenagers, right? Got it. I'm like, no, 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 you missed the most important note. It's like, no, no, I got it. We kill some teenagers. No worries. <laughs> Off we go. And that's kind of yeah. what Rick Rosenthal did. He's like, yeah, yeah, we kill the kids. I saw the first one. I saw it. It was all right. Yeah. Get this one to get her cans out. Make this one an absolute asshole. Get this guy to stalk everybody. And then we'll just fucking obliterate everybody. It'll be fucking great. Don't worry about it. It's bananas. There is uh, one fun thing that, uh, that John Carpenter wrote and that I think is executed well. And that is the killing of um laurie strode's crush in this one who literally gets crushed and exploded by the cop car because he's wearing a mask uh that was quite fun when they they're doing the dental examination they're like ah oh, 17 18 and he's like well he's 21 he's like oh possibly and then they they're talking about how they can't find him and he's like how old is he and he's like he's 17 and wearing a mask and Lewis is like 17 <laughs> Bring a mask. <laughs> like, oh, oops. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. That's, that's your, Donald probably Prez- my... your, your Donald Pleasant impersonation is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Keep that good. up for the rest yeah. of the episode. I'll, yeah. I'll all do the things whole... considered. I'll do the I whole shot him. Thing. I shot that's him it. six times. That's a good one. <laughs> he, he has this beautiful way of just like <laughs> hanging on to vowels yeah. a bit longer yeah. than is necessary and like chucking a wine. I shot him. I was going to say, this is probably more a uh, story for Sean, because I'm sure you have, have the backstory, you know it. But you actually did touch on everyone coming back. Now, Donald Pleasance was pretty famous for not really loving being the first one initially, until maybe it went gangbusters and everyone rated his performance. Obviously, he's back in this one. I'm assuming he got paid well to come back, and obviously he's come back for a few sequels since. But the other one that didn't come back was Nick Castle, who was doing something else. And it's actually Dick Warlock as Michael Myers. And it is, it's not a huge difference, but for me, it's always been noticeable that he's a little bit shorter, a bit more stocky, but, and the mask is that little bit different because they stupidly lost. I think, did they lose the last? No, the mask is, the mask is the same mask. So Nick Castle had the mask. But didn't they have to change it to fit his head? Yeah, they did some alterations, so it doesn't fit the same, but it was his mask. So he had the mask. They tried to replicate it. It, They couldn't make it look right. They went to him and were like, we're trying to make this mask. It can't work. Do you have the original? It's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. You like, you guys can borrow it. And then they took it. And oh, then never they gave lost, it back. Yeah, they lost it that way. <laughs> never gave it back. Um, but yeah, he Nick Castle wasn't the shape in Halloween two because he simply wasn't asked. No one asked him to come back. He wasn't. Oh, do you, Do you know what became of Nick Castle? Uh, he's director. He's he was directing. He's a director. Yeah, he already directed, he directed the last Starfighter. Mm. He directed something after halloween and he di- he'd finished directing it by the time they made halloween 2 and one of the the producers of halloween 2 was like oh he was a director we didn't think he'd want to be the shape again after everyone was like what the fuck yeah <laughs> imagine being one of the producers of like halloween 2 and wait like because people weren't crazy back in the 80s and now in the internet era and the, oh, yeah. the con mm. era and everything yeah, like right. you'd be walking down the street one day and people know who you are because they're so obsessed and they'd be like you didn't get castle back like oh. It was 1981. I don't know what you're talking about. Leave me alone. But yeah, most of the the people involved with with the first Halloween film, uh, in small capacities, went on to do a little bit of directing, including directing even even, even Dean Cundy. Yeah, they all all got in. A do little you know bit what Dean? 
the cinematographer. Do you know what he went on to direct? No, I don't know. Which honey, one directed. honey, honey, I shrunk the kids three. Three. That was as good as it got. That was as good as it. Yeah, like so, that was as good as it got for his directing. Like he 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 shot he shot um uh Escape from L Escape from New York and all that kind of stuff, and then tried his hand at directing. And yeah, this Honey I Shrunk the Kids three, the great Dean Cundy. Wow, that's. I guess that's kind of like what happened a bit with Wally Fister after, you know, coming off hot off all the Christopher Nolan films. Yeah. And I was like, he's the greatest ever. He's amazing. He's like, I'm going to direct my own movie. He directed Transcendence with Johnny Depp. And it was like, this sucks. And he was like, I was never here. And then went right <laughs> yeah. back to being a director. <laughs> so yeah, the two skills aren't necessarily interchangeable. Translatable. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, a shame because Dean Cundy really is, I would say almost as responsible for, the Halloween franchise existing and being as good as, oh. as, as John Carpenter because you really, hundred percent, you really feel him and, when he's not there. And look for 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 all the problems that Halloween two has, and it's got a couple. Like it's 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 a long way from a perfect film. One of the one of the highlights undoubtedly is the cinematography. Dean yes. Cundy's like that's the one thing that makes you feel like maybe it's still the same night. That beautiful you know, those wide angle lens flares and the Panavision glide cam and all that kind of stuff. Dean Cundy, you know, I tip my hat to him because his is probably the most valuable input to this project, I would suggest. Yeah. I And shooting at night, like you touched on there, the, the way that, because in the first movie, they get a lot of daytime before nightfall. Mm. So they get to use some yeah. beautiful vistas. I said, this one, no, it's a night movie from mm. the beginning to the end. And you've got to try yeah. and shoot in that. And I, I always knew that was pretty difficult to do and pretty cool to make it look good and to be able to see anything because you've got to make it look dark, but also see what's happening on screen. But I, I had like a reminder of how good that was recently when I was listening to an interview with Jordan Peele talking about Nope, uh, his most recent film. And there's a lot of nighttime stuff in that. And it's like big, vast open fields that they're trying to capture by moonlight. So it's really, really dark. And everyone's like, the cinematographer's insane. And he's like, yeah, I got this really great, like I think he's a Danish cinematographer to come and do it. Who's this just incredible cinematographer who doesn't really do horror, but he's like, no, come and do this. And I was what when I was watching the movie, I'm like, how the fuck did I get these shots? This is incredible. And then in one of the most recent interviews, uh, Jordan Peele was like, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys in a little secret. Uh, we actually developed a new technology to shoot this and all of the night scenes were shot at day. And then we had like infrared cameras and other things going on. And then we overlaid stuff to make it look like night. And I was like, fuck, in 1981, Dean Cundy was shooting night at night and making it look just yeah. as good. <laughs> like, he yeah. really deserves a lot more modern day respect than I think he gets. And it's tough, man. Like shooting at night is so, so, so time consuming because you can't rely on anything. And the idea that Dean Cundy has not only managed to make it look good, but if you go back and watch it again, he sculpted the light. Like it's mm. like there's design to it. Like he's not just blanket lighting everything for expediency's sake or anything like that. Like there's actually design to the lights. I can't even imagine how fast this guy must have been working every single night and then kept it up for the entire shoot. It'd be a nightmare. I mean, it's it's worth knowing, like, he didn't, his career didn't end after doing a couple of Halloween movies. He also <laughs> shot Jurassic Park and Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Apollo 13 and Back yeah. to the Future 3. Like, he, he did the oh, guy yeah, yeah, yeah. worked <laughs> um, and <laughs> has churned out some absolute masterpieces. So he does get respect in the industry, but I feel like outside of a lot of 
people who really love films. If you say the name Dean Cundy, people are like, is that, what are you talking about? Is that a slur? What, do you yeah. what did you call me? Like, it's not a name that people are like, oh, fuck yes. Whereas if you say John Carpenter, even like a passing fan will be like, yeah, he's great. So you got That's to... kind of me. Has no yes. idea what's going well, on. <laughs> Dean, uh, he, you, you... He's good. <laughs> Dean Cundy's one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. Um, what's he, is he still doing? Oh, he's doing some documentaries. He's still, oh, yeah, he's oh, still he, working. He shot a bunch of Book of Boba Fett. That's his latest big credit. He's like, he's yeah, out right. there making, making probably the only good modern Star Wars thing uh, on Disney Plus. So that's pretty sweet. Thanks, Dean Cundy. You're the best. But yeah, before that, really kind of took some time in the in the doldrums with a lot of credits what were you gonna... I've never heard of. What were you going to say, Cable? Uh, oh, there's a few things I was going to say. Um, I was just going to say, sort of burying the lead. Like, what do people feel about the reveal of Laurie being Michael's sister? Because it's it's one of the more controversial sort of plot points in the Halloween franchise that they set up. So, I mean, but they ran with it after the second one and then obviously had a reset once or twice. Changed things around a little bit. But uh... Well, look, I... I will just say I I don't know accurately how I feel about it because I really have bounced both ways. When I first saw it, like when I was younger and I was watching on VHS and I was just experiencing the Halloween series for the first time in order, um, it was a bit of a like, whoa, fuck, what? Like I enjoyed that moment as a as an audience member, as a teenager watching Halloween 2 being like, oh, what? The, that's her brother? Oh, man, that's like, that's crazy. How did that happen? As years have gone and I've watched it more, uh, I've been in like... I'm not quite sure why they felt they need to do that. And now with the benefit of hindsight, I've seen, you know, how they've gone and retconned it with the the recent trilogy to erase that storyline. And I particularly Halloween 2018, I was a big fan. I was like, yeah, get rid of that mess. Like it just got too convoluted making it like he, what now he only kills his family, but why did he start? Uh, what the fuck? What's going on? Why, why do I care about this? And so I, I think I have to go with my gut and my initial reaction and my initial reaction before any of the stuff that came 40 years later was like, wow, wow, that's fucking crazy. I think you can't blame the reveal in Halloween 2 on what Halloween 4, 5, 6, H2O and H2K did with it. Like they didn't know where it was going. They were just coming up with something new for this this movie. So just as looking at it as like as the first sequel on the line, doing it before it became this ongoing franchise, I liked it at the time. And I don't think I can betray 13-year-old Angus enjoying that at the time by being an adult being like, that's a silly thing to do. Michelle, like how were you aware of that actual twist going into it? Because I know pop culturally, I mean, some of that stuff, if you hadn't seen the movies back in the day, you're probably going to know some of the plot points. Or was that something totally new to you as well? No, well, I knew, but I think because I've seen Halloween 2018 before I saw Ah, Halloween 2, I was like, what is going on? They're not related. What are you talking about? So to me, it was a bit confusing and it wasn't like a revelation. In fact, in 2018, they go out of their way to say like, isn't, yeah. wasn't like her brother or something. It's like, nah, that no, was just a rumor. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's sort of where I was coming from thinking they're not related. What are you doing? I, I honest to God, just it's become such a thing now that it just is what it is. I don't remember a time before it being mm. canon. I don't remember... I was just inundated with horror films at the time that it just, I don't know. I don't remember. And now, it, like I say, now it just is the way it is. And I'm like, okay, like once upon a time, they were siblings, but they're not anymore. 
but that's okay because she's been dead twice already so who the fuck knows what's going on (laughs) true good point i don't know yeah it's similar to what sean said i think it's been part of the subconscious the whole time it's like that was even probably before i saw halloween 2 uh you know you sort of knew she was a sister but now that the sort of retcon i i do think it's better i don't like that they were siblings to be honest but again there's so many years that you believe that to be true so it's almost like imagine if uh, the new star wars sequel had luke and leia weren't actually brother and sister you know all of a sudden they <laughs> told us that you'd be like what for 30 years i believed one thing and now you're changing it on me so luke's just like oh, i could have fucked her god damn it god damn <laughs> it <laughs> yeah so yeah like it's just been part of part of its history part of its story for so long i think you just get used to it but it is in hindsight i think it was probably not the greatest move to make them siblings but i i understand john carpenter's writing it and he's drinking a six-pack and he's probably just seen empire and you know you know having uh vader be uh spoiler alert uh michelle vader is luke skywalker's father thank you um i think think, mate uh, that's what i was sort of thinking when i was watching it again tonight i was kind of like is that the thing they want to have that extra hook that extra motivation for him to be after laurie but then but possibly if there was going to be a future movie i don't know it's i guess also like what do you do with another you know what 96 odd minutes of film when you've already told this story like what what can you talk about (laughs) we literally know as much as we can know about michael myers from the backstory that loomis gives us so in order for us to have anything else to eliminate this character there has to be a reveal and what else could you do that would have any impact like from a storytelling point of view, mechanically, mm. I think it, it makes well, sense. To be fair, and this is going to ruffle feathers, Rob Zombie did it better. When Rob Zombie did his Halloween 2, he had the intelligence and foresight to just get rid of what is essentially the first 60 minutes of the 1981 Halloween to start with Laurie Strode with Michael Myers arriving at the hospital basically straight away and then have the final 30 minutes of Halloween 80, Halloween 2 81 be the first act of his film and then afterwards we chart what is basically just Strode's downward mental trajectory which I think is a more interesting film. Whether Rob Zombie pulled it off, that is a different story. But where he wanted to take the story, I think, was a more interesting and intelligent way than 1981 approached it. Because what we're dealing with then is we're not dealing with necessarily gore and violence and cannon fodder. What we're dealing with is somebody's psychological unraveling. And that, her psychological unraveling, based on the trauma because let's fucking face it, Rob Zombie's Halloween first first Halloween film is fucking traumatic. Good I went to see it in the movies. I went to see it with with my best mate in the movies, and about twenty minutes from the end, he just puts his head in his hands and he leans over to me and he goes, "Tell me this is gonna fucking finish soon." Like it's just it's, it's just it is just I, I, it's, it's a punishing film. Yeah. Of course, of course, she's going to be traumatized. Of course, she's going to derailed. Of course, she's going to be abu- you know, self-abusive and all that kind of stuff. That's interesting. Like, there, there's, there's other ways to take the film. And in hindsight, for this humble reviewer, Rob Zombie's take on it proves to me that John Carpenter was just being fucking lazy. Really, he was just being lazy. He was just banging out a script for the dollars 
He didn't put any heart into it. He just, it was just A to B to C. We'll kill these kids on the way and then we'll wrap it up at the end. Yeah, look, I, I, I don't uh, have a lot of affection for the, the Rob Zombie Halloweens. Um, I, and I think that's just because of how much I love the original John Carpenter one and, and a lot of the sequels that came. But it, I do think that there is a, a better way to tell this exact story, the Halloween 2 exact story. Um, for for reasons that fucking will baffle me to my grave, the most recent Halloween sequel, Halloween Kills, chose to go right back to the hospital and do mm-hmm. the same fucking thing they did in Halloween. Like, I know. What was bad mm-hmm. about Halloween 2? Uh, we put Laurie in a hospital bed and didn't use her for the whole movie. She's kind of laid around and did nothing. And none of the kills meant anything. And then 41 years later, they're like, all right, so we're going to put Laurie in a hospital bed and not do anything. And no, it's like, what the fucking second? Am I being prank, pranked? What's happening? Like, it's just, but you're right. That At idea, least in like, Halloween Kills, she hasn't wearing a fucking ludicrous wig. Oh, that my was yeah. God. Which, Holy shit. Yeah. There's some funny interviews out there on the internet of, uh, of Jamie Lee Curtis talking about that wig um, and about the the rage that she felt about it and the problems that she had with it and the, that it's followed her around her entire life. And she really, <laughs> she really is not a fan. Um, you're right about the, like it being, it's, it's been a part of the canon for so long. It's been a part of the mythology for so long. It's hard to like imagine Halloween without it, but weirdly it also isn't an issue for the rest of the original run of the Halloween series because it's, they're not in Halloween three, then Halloween four, she's dead. And it doesn't matter their brother and sister. And then four, five, six, it's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's her uncle now that's chasing around, but the Laurie Michael brother, sister relationship just fucks off as a storyline until H2O. It doesn't yeah. mean anything yet. Somehow it's become like this huge defining part of the series that when Halloween 2018 retconned everything, one of the big things they said was like, yeah, we got to get rid of the, the brother, sister storyline. It was just too difficult to write a sequel with that in there, let alone the Druid shit. But like, this was just, too crazy so we had to get rid of it and i was like yeah that was crazy but when you go back and watch like no it's it's like half of one movie that laurie and michael yeah. are brother and sister and then from then on it's just talked about until 20 years later so it's it's i think for fans it's become a big thing that's <clears throat> that's a, a discussed or debated issue but for the actual series it never really had that big of an impact on anything even in halloween 2 it doesn't change anything he was trying to kill her in halloween 1 <laughs> Mary's trying to kill yeah. her Halloween too. Donald Pleasant's trying yeah. to stop him. Like what? What does it? it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It just kind of makes the movie have something going on for it, really. Which I guess kind of means it earns its stripes a bit. Speaking of the druid stuff, Michelle, do you know about all the druid stuff that comes later on in the series? You've you... just spoiled like three or four movies for me. She's dead. <laughs> There's druids. This happens. I've seen H two O and Resurrection. For someone oh who like. Michelle Buckler, you're in for a fucking like ride. witchcraft <laughs> and all things yeah, like in that field. Weird. I know, I'm going to go watch number three tomorrow. Three, four, five, six, <laughs> which are the ones that really play into your interests. <laughs> yeah. I mean, three is literally called Season of the Witch. I don't know how that one ever got past you, but yeah, it's like one and two is like, oh, there's a guy in the mask stabbing people and then everyone involved with the Halloween franchise is like, and now we're going to go in a completely different <laughs> Now it just gets weird. Yeah. yeah, it's, it is a wild ride. And I'm excited to, to talk Halloween movies uh, with you over the coming uh, episodes, Michelle, uh, who having never seen them, <laughs> and it's going to be a hell of an experience. That is, that, that is, that is an interesting idea for me. It's like people who, with the utmost respect, Michelle, people who have <laughs> never seen them, 
like just coming at it from a blank slate, but coming at it from a blank slate from an adult's point of view, not you know completely divorced from that hysteria. Because forgive me, how old are you? I know you're not supposed to ask a lady our age, but I don't yeah, care. How so old I, are you? I feel young here. I'm only 34. I'm only 35. So like. Um, <laughs> So, um, I mean, you're not, you're not that young, but like at the same time, like you're obviously you're adult enough that you to be divorced from all that hysteria that the, the Angus Cable and I were talking about, it must be, it must be a bizarre thing to see them with friends, to see these films with fresh eyes, knowing that they're such a part, such an integral part of the film community. And in turn, in turn, at times, the zeitgeist, depending on what time of the year it is. Like, how does how does that experience play out for you? Like, are you ultra aware of all the Halloweens and their existence and the mythologies and all that kind of stuff? Or are you completely straight and just walking in with no prior knowledge? Yeah, no prior knowledge at all. Wow. That's wild. I almost and so you. so far. I know. <laughs> I'm actually a little bit fucking annoyed because how good how good would it be? Like, like, are you impressed with them so far? I like them so far, but I know they get a bit weird. And then, like, I've seen uh, Resurrections you, that got really weird. Wow, well, like, Resurrections. When you say a... weird, you're being polite. Like, yeah. they, they get shit. <laughs> I mean, like... Yeah. Well, I think, like, the coming films in the Halloween series, like, one and two are, are quite uh, iconic and revered. And, and I think Halloween 2, you know, none of us really... Are, singing its praises from the mountaintops but as we discussed there's a lot of like good in this mm. film that yeah. didn't quite hit the mark it's also suffering from you know coming off the tail of one of the best horror slash slashes slash just mm. straight up films ever um and being sent on the same night doesn't help it but w- mm. i think like from two onwards where this series goes the fan base completely shatters and you will have people who say they love Halloween, that it's like their favorite movie ever. You have people say they love the Halloween movies. You have people who are like, every movie is great. And then you'll have people like, I love the Halloween movies, but five and six can eat a bag of dicks and resin. Like in this like severe fandom of people who love these movies, you'll still have people who go in every different direction. You know, mm-hmm. there's the, the people who completely ignore three. There's the people who rave about four and five as being these unappreciated masterpieces. There's people who stand around and be like, six is really important and a really great, like it, it's a, it's a franchise that has as many lovers and haters of each film equally. I think after one yeah. and two, it mm-hmm. really does spiral off and it's hard to gauge. I have no idea how you're going to feel about <laughs> any of the films that are coming <laughs> up, honestly. But to be totally fair, I can't win. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I think that's what's good for the podcast is someone being on here that is going to see it with fresh eyes, mm. hopefully on Stan or on a decent uh, DVD mm. instead of an old beat up VHS that's been watched 3,000 times and worn out in places. So enjoy the ride, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> I'll let you know. Stay tuned. Yeah, the next episode might just be like an hour and a half of you just berating us. Yeah. It's like, why the <laughs> fuck did I have to yeah. Well, I think if oh, you have that... We twi- could have uh, helped you in- find your new favourite movie. Yeah, But I think if you've got an Instagram Top handle, Gun Oz- Aussie Hello Witch, I think you need to have seen the Halloween movies to actually keep that Instagram name. Oh, otherwise I have to change it? I think you should. <laughs> Where does the handle come from? Um, Just was a random sort of thing. I like witches. I'm Australian. And she I like in a hello. Yeah, I like Halloween, not the movies, just the holiday. <laughs> the time. Mm-hmm. Good. 
that's another one that baffles me. Like you're someone who you're currently like going through, what is it like a hundred days of Halloween or something on mm-hmm. your social media stuff. Like you have started Halloween a hundred days early and, and at no point in your hundred days of Halloween celebrations, <laughs> have you sat down to watch any of the Halloween? Ha- Halloween's. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I if the you've first been one fucking generous, Halloween. if you've been generous, you can watch two or three a fucking day. Like that still leaves you nine. <laughs> That still leaves you 99 days to do whatever the fuck you want. Like, you've got plenty of time, sister. And to, to re- go back to the re- start of this podcast, to, to go back to the start of this podcast, it's not like you have to ride 15Ks on a bicycle to get the VHS. That's true. All you have on to stand. Do is stand. In the pissing rain. You're, you're, like, you, you've, you've watched this film. It's, it's fucking rubbish, but you love it anyway. You're fucking soaking wet from the rain. Your thighs feel like they're fucking burning. I didn't know your thighs could fall off, but my thighs are going to fucking fall off. And I just, you put it in and it, 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 it's snowy and scratchy. And you fast forward it through the, the, the ads at the beginning. It says, have you got what you paid for? And yes, I'm like, fuck you. But like, then you did it. And then you press play. And then you watch it and you're like, that was fucking genius. I, I love that. I love it. And then you've and got to ride go, back to return it. No, 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 no. no because you went through all the effort, it'll be because you went through all the effort to rent it and to go through that much effort to rent it. When you finish it, you fucking watch it again. <laughs> you watch that shit again at least it's three times before you take store. it back. Yeah. It's due back in the video store next Saturday, but fuck you, I'm taking it back on Monday because yeah. I'm going to get my money's worth out of this. <laughs> That's right. I do miss yeah. video easy. Yeah, bring all that stuff you, you rewatch that son of a bitch mm. into the ground. I think I when I rented Species once, mm. I I think species. I watched Species like four times as a, it was an overnight rental. Watched it like four times in two days because it was, <laughs> was it because of like, the movie or because, money. was it because of the movie or Natasha Henstridge? Yeah, like, was it because of nineteen-year-old Natasha Henstridge? <laughs> like in, in, in if we were to draw a Venn diagram, there might be some overlap. <laughs> yeah. No, no yeah. comment. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly it was because when you rented something back then, you're yeah. like, I'm gonna, it doesn't matter how I feel about it. I'm gonna watch it a bunch mm-hmm. because I paid cash money Ooh. and it's sitting there in my house and I have no internet. It's funny you bring up species oh. because that, funnily enough, we, uh, towards the end of the school year, it was when things were winding down and the teachers, no one I don't think understood what, how much nudity and sex was in <laughs> species, where the, the biology teacher was actually the one that hired it. I mean, you know, you watch it was like the the day off that we had or the double period that was off. It's like, oh, we're going to everyone chip in a couple of bucks and we'll all get a pe- some pizzas and we'll get a movie. And I don't even know who decided it was Species. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we'll watch it. And it was like that weird, like when you're 16, 17, awkward kind of like nudity. Guys are like, oh, I'm sitting next to a girl. It was just weird. But Your yeah, teacher got you Species? Mm. My teacher got me fucking Flubber and Space Jam. <laughs> Yeah, I had a civil experience. Like, in, I think it was year nine or year ten, where we had the substitute teacher take us for a class, and they wheeled in the the TV on the cart because obviously the substitute teacher couldn't be bothered. And there was like a couple of VHSs on the cart, and they just picked up the top one and put it on, and it was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, and they're like, "Oh, it's a high school movie, whatever," and put it on, and we're all watching it, and like, "Ah, oh, this is pretty fun." And then Phoebe Cates takes Phoebe her top Cates. off, and I remember, I remember my friend just like you see next to me, just grabbing my arm and sitting up, being like, "What the fuck is that? What just happened? What's going on?" <laughs> and like in a perfect moment, the the substitute teacher was not looking at the screen. They were like yeah. writing something in paper and not paying attention. And everyone in the class had the good sense to say nothing. It's got and just watch this, which is already filled with drugs and all sorts of inappropriate things. But when that happened, we we're like, oh, a mistake has been made, and we are going to reap the benefits. This is the best day of school ever. 
I watched Species from Ben Kingsley myself. Oh my God, I forgot he was in it. Mm. Isn't wow. he's just slumming it, isn't he? There's a lot of people in that movie yeah. that I forget. Alfred Molina. Wow. Michael Madsen. Mm. I remember I Michael Madsen's one of my man crushes. I love Michael Madsen. And the chick that was more famous in um... CSI. Yes, that's it. CSI. Mark. Mark Helt. Mark Helgenberger or something. Uh, That's you're doing good to to have that sitting in the back of the brain. And Uh, funnily enough, Mark Helgenberger is her actual name. I just looked it up. It's it's Helgenberger. (laughs) Uh, Michelle Williams is also in with Forrest Whitaker and Forrest Whitaker is one of the soldiers in it. And they have a few sequels which I did not know. I remember the sequel. I watched the sequel and I remember the start of it is like uh, an astronaut goes to Mars. And something happens to him, and then he comes back and shoots himself in the head with a shotgun, yeah. and then his head regrows. And yeah. when I watched the first I was one, I was like, of, "This is amazing." No, and I'm pretty sure there's. A I third was one of the four. six people that saw that. There is, there is a third or fourth. I was one of the six people that saw Species Two at the cinema. Oh, well, there you go. And it was, um, well, it was terrible. And the guy that wow. shot that shot himself in the the head, he ended up completely disappearing off the radar he's he's he 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 lost his fucking mind he ended up oh, getting really? caught for child sex charges and all sorts of shit like oh, it was no. yeah the yeah. freaking sequel has a cast as well mark helgenberger is back michael madsen is back henstridge is back yeah. michael t williams is in it george zunza yep. james cromwell what is yeah, going on james- with the species oh. movies guys are they secretly great well we're no. talking about species oh, now uh, species two is terrible <laughs> Have you seen Species, Michelle? Mm. Have you seen the greatest, the greatest <laughs> horror series of all time, Friday the Thirteenth? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going oh. to save you a lot of time here, and Jordan, yeah. and you can just go ahead and presume that if the question is, have you seen? The answer is no. No. Yeah. Friday the Thirteenth. The notable the exceptions being Scream, Hocus uh, Pocus, and The Craft. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle has seen Friday the Thirteenth. I've seen the For remake. For the audio listeners, uh, Sean is just showing Michelle he has a Friday the Thirteenth tattoo to illustrate oh, yeah, his disgust. That she's not the same. That's a good one. I don't one. always choo-choo-choo when I do. I ha-ha-ha. <laughs> it's the fucking best. I've seen Freddy versus Jason, and I've seen the Friday I've the 13th remake. How did you... <laughs> Why is he on this podcast? How have you seen... Because <laughs> he makes excellent points. You've seen Halloween Resurrection, <laughs> he's just, he's but not Halloween like you 3. <laughs> You've seen Freddy versus Jason oh. and the remake, but not Friday the 13th. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's a hard position to defend where you find yourself, Michelle. As a horror fan, as a Halloween fan, as a lover of all things spooky you just and weird. Take these out and just um, log off. <laughs> I'm glad you actually brought up Friday the 13th because I also think maybe Halloween 2 was indirectly inspired by Friday the 13th. And that was that mm. Friday the 13th was, was inspired by Halloween. Because Paramount are like, oh, we can do this slasher thing. We've got to do a kids, uh, not kids movie, a movie about kids getting butchered, or you know, teenagers being butchered, and we've got to copy that sort of thing. And then Halloween's kind of like, oh, there's this new franchise, and they're just going to butcher all these kids. Oh, maybe we can do that too, and maybe we need to go back to that. Well, um, I wonder if there's a little bit of that happening as well. It's a good point you make because, mm. I mean, the timing lines up. Friday the Thirteenth Part One was released in 1980. Mm. Sean Cunningham was the driving force behind it. And he, thinking that, that Friday the 13th was supposed to be a knockoff of Halloween, Friday the 13th does everything wrong that Halloween 2 does wrong. 
in that it's not about the scares, it's about the gore. Yeah. Most famously, the fact that Tom Savini from Michelle, whether you know Tom Savini or not, he was like in the 70s and 80s and a little bit through the 90s, he was like the special effects guru. You wanted, you wanted gore and practical effects, you went to Tom Savini, right? Oh, that's why in that Lock and Key he, show, they're called the Savinis. Anyone seen that probably, show on Netflix? Probably. No, yeah. that's probably why. So Tom Savini came on and he did the practical effects for Friday the 13th, but all the practical effects were gory practical effects. It was Kevin Bacon getting skewered by, you know, knives through the, the neck, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And like, it was like, it w- and the, they, they dropped the ball mistaking gore for horror as well. But then Friday the Thirteenth was a gargantuan hit as well. Friday the Thirteenth was an was a was a fucking awesome money maker for Paramount, and that's obviously where the genre started to lean to at the time. So it wouldn't surprise me if one year later, when Mustafa Akkad wants to make more kids getting slaughtered, then he's using what the kids want at the time as a template for what he's going to produce. Yeah, it's maybe. You know, the- <clears throat> Like the snaking the tail thing where like it's created and then it just starts to slowly destroy itself. And like back to mm. what I said before, you know, Halloween is only a slasher in reverse. The first Halloween movie wasn't a part of a genre. It started it. But then Friday 13th was a part of the genre and kind of defined a lot of the rules. So I think you, you hit the nail mm. on the head that Halloween 2 is like, oh, well, we're a part of this genre that apparently is going on now. And the rules are boobs, blood, blood murder, death, credits. Mm. Like that's kind of what we do now. Um, and it's weird. I, I, I never really realized that until this is gonna. This is a weird parallel. Until I saw an interview with Sylvester Stallone when he had just made Rambo Part Four. Uh, that was is the that one that was John set Rambo? in Thailand. That's Afghanistan. No, no, no. no that's three. Part oh, that's Four was the one where he's in Thailand. The most and it was one, just yeah? a, no, no, the one before the most recent one. Oh, okay, sorry, but the most. Set in Thailand, John Rambo's like a retired guy now, and then some Christian advocacy guys come to him for help to take him up the river, and it just ends up pandemonium. Oh. Like the body count is like it's ridiculous, two hundred people or something like that. It's just it's <laughs> absolute. The violence was absolutely wild, mm. and I saw an interview with Sylvester Stallone, and at the time in two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, when it came out, all the gornography films were big, all the saws the hostels, the house of a thousand corpses. And Sylvester Stallone was asked, given like Rambo's always been violent, but not like this. Why did you make it so violent? He says, because I have to keep up with what people want and what people want is hostel and saw. So it really wouldn't surprise me if Halloween 2 was like, I got to keep up with what people want. What people want is practical effects of blood. You're right. If If Halloween makes a trillion bucks compared to what it was made for. And then people are going to see that movie and I'm sure it was re-released the year or two after and going around the country, especially in the States, and it's making money, money, money. And then Paramount go to Sean Cunningham and say, can you make us a movie similar to Halloween? And he does that. And like you said, Tom Savini comes in, it's all gore, and that goes gangbusters. Well, it, it makes perfect sense that the evolution is was like, well, we've got to go back to the Halloween world. Like, geez, kids yeah. are- the drive-ins are packed. People are going to see this movie. That's what they want. We'll give them what they want. And again, it goes back to Randy saying, you know, their scenes are much more elaborate. Um, Carnage candy. I mean, it's it's totally that. 
Thomas V is amazing. Like some of those death, death scenes in Friday the Thirteenth are crazy, crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah, I didn't realize until years later, and it made a lot of it really sad. But the reason that all Tom Savini's special effects are so good uh, is because he was a war photographer in the Vietnam War, and he saw it all he for was, real. And yeah, had the photos, for real. and then came home and was like, "What do I do with this trauma?" <laughs> and then he was like, "Oh, I guess I'll make these photos again, but out of prosthetics." So that's yeah. there's a reason that we got such intense imagery out of Savini, and he has such a great cameo in uh, from Dust Till Dawn as well. Oh. Incredible. Yeah. Come on. That's the bet. Have you seen from Dust to Dawn? No, don't no. ask. Don't. <laughs> don't even bother. Like peak hotness, George Clooney and peak hotness, Salma Hayek in a film where they fight peak vampires. Quentin Tarantino. Peak, well, peak hotness, it. Quentin Tarantino. It's, it's a, it. it's... Like we all have different levels of peak hotness because none of that sounded appealing. Uh, when do you think Clooney's peak hotness is other than 96? There is no... Clooney Coming off the back hotness. of Batman Forever. What what do you mean? That, okay, well, there's there's no peak in that. What? It's never ending? Is that what you're saying? No. Same as Summer Hayek? She, mm. There's no peak because eternity has no peak? <laughs> Not into George Clooney. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know what to... What do, we, what do we do with this kid? My God. I don't think George Clooney and Summer Hayek are hot. You haven't seen a single movie since 1985. What is going on? <laughs> this is so upsetting. I make your oh. merch. Shut up. That's true. Show off your hoodie. Shirt. Uh, <laughs> You reminded me when you were talking about uh, Rambo and Sylvester Stallone and all the gore. I was in 2009 ish, I think. I was working on the Pacific, the Spielberg uh, mm. miniseries that came out with Band of Brothers. And I was mm. during many long delays, I was talking with the special effects guys who had just come from shooting the Rambo film. Uh, and he was sitting around, we were doing pyro that day, and he was sitting around talking about the pyro that was on the Rambo movie and how there was one particular scene where he has this giant flamethrower. And they made the flamethrower, oh. and he was like, it's not big enough. And they're like, well, that's what a flamethrower is. He's like, no, it has to be bigger. So they kept having to go back and make the flamethrower bigger and bigger. And and the idea of the shot that they were going for was shooting this flamethrower at this tower that had all these extras in it who would jump out before the tower caught fire with pre-rigged pyro that would be going off once they were clear of the building. And Sylvester Stallone made them make the flamethrower so big that he actually set the building on fire with the extras inside. Fucking <laughs> hell. And then when someone called Cut went and yelled at them for ruining the shot, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he went completely insane on that movie. That's great. Uh, yeah, apparently he's an absolute tyrant. One of my one of my mates, Dmitry Golovko, who, when I was making film, used to be our composer and sound designer, he scored the Australian film Red Hill. Great film. Oh, yeah, with yeah. director Patrick Hughes. And then Patrick Hughes got picked up by Sylvester Stallone to make Expendables 3. And as a result, Patrick Hughes went to Dimitri and says, well, we've already got a working relationship. Can you Do you want to score Expendables 3? And I was with Dimitri the night. We went, we went out to dinner in the city. We were Chinatown. And he got a call from Patrick Hughes to say, it's official. You're you're on. You're being. You're, you're you're the composer for Expendables three, and you just seen Dimitri like he was. As you can imagine, he was just absolutely beside himself. Like couldn't believe his luck. And then flash forward like five <laughs> months or something, and he's just like head in his hand. Poor guy, like head in his hand. You're like Dimitri, you're all right. He's just like oh, he's like Sylvester Stallone's a fucking dick. Like he said, like he's like he he fired me off the film. He says like he wasn't happy with it. He says the entire score budget for the whole of the Expendables was like forty grand or something oh, like Jesus that. He says Christ. 
he wants me, he says he wants me to basically work for a year on that. He says then, he says he had a big argument with Patrick Hughes and fired Patrick Hughes off of the set and then he started directing it and fucking fired Dimitri and then got Brian Tyler on to fit it and they just cobbled together the director. He said, he says Sylvester Stallone is an absolute tyrant. He says he's insane, which doesn't surprise me. You don't get to be one of the biggest stars on the planet by being a, a nice person that sits in the background like a wallflower. Good God. Which is why we've got to keep an eye on uh, Cable, because is it a legitimate <laughs> his face? What? <laughs> I don't have a planet Hollywood. I'm sorry. Neither does Stallone anymore. That place is gone. No, I Oh, uh, a sad shame. loss of the 90s. It is yeah. a sad loss of the 90s, isn't we it? Had some, we had some good stuff. Do you know what stuff. Planet Hollywood is, Michelle? Yes. <laughs> I used to have a Planet Just Hollywood making... Sydney t-shirt. I wore it everywhere. Just making have you sure... been to Planet Hollywood Sydney? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought this was going to be like you loving Got Halloween, enough but not seeing the Halloween movies. <laughs> no, I've been to Planet Hollywood. Back I love today. Mikey Myers. Get... He's my favorite of the killers. <laughs> <laughs> This he is, was in Austin Powers, wasn't he? Yeah. Him and his sister, Laurie is... Strudel, they're the best. <laughs> Laurie Strudel. Um, I know this is going to sound rude again. Like, do you do you work, Michelle? Yes. Like, not, like I assume you're just going to take this part out of the podcast. You do work. Do yes. you work full time? No. So, yes, I know. I've got the time to watch the movies. Cable <laughs> reminds me all the time. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was going to be fucking polite about it. I was going to say, look, let's assume that you work full time every day. That means you can watch seven films minimum a week, like one film a night. I watch about seven films so between... a day. <laughs> Who does? Me? I could. No, I could. No, we know okay, you do. Well, Sean. I mean, then okay, I, I, I definitely do. Okay, Michelle, dig upwards, dude. I'm trying to fucking throw you a bone here. Yeah, what you got to do is come up with a list of like Friday Thirteenth, Phantasm, Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, blah blah blah. Good. Phantasm. I've got the Arrow box set. It is yeah, so oh, good. Nah, see, I've only got the first one. I was like, I almost bought the, the whole set, and I'm like, I love the first one. I'm like, I'll stick with that. And I'm kind of it's so it's mm. so good. Anyway, get your hands on everyone. One every because when is the next record for the next Halloween? I don't think we've locked it in yet. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. <laughs> oh, exactly. Can you watch seven films in one day? <laughs> she can. I can. Start right now. Is another question. Yeah, I'll just yeah. get Stan up on my phone and just. <laughs> yeah, sit. I mean, no, don't start watching like... now. Hey, that's, 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 you you that would be pretty funny for the record for Halloween three. Oh, if Michelle is watching God. Halloween three, her phone is recording it, and just as the episode goes on, just periodically, she's like, "Wait, what? What? The, what? <laughs> What's going on? What is that? What's, what or, just happened?" Or what we can do is commit right now on camera that we will all come back tomorrow at half past eight to record Halloween three, except for Michelle. She's going to record and she's going to have to watch as many Halloweens between now and then as she can possibly fit in. So that when the camera starts rolling at half past eight tomorrow, she's just a fucking sh- shell of a woman. <laughs> Hanging on to whatever sense of fucking humanity she's going to have. You you wouldn't be able to remember what storyline was from what Halloween film at that point. Like, if you watched them all in one hit. Oh, my God, that podcast would be so fucking good, Angus. (laughs) That podcast would be fucking genius. Are they even all on stand? I can just imagine you coming on and be like, why was Paul Rudd wearing that weird witch mask? It's like, the wrong one! He's not in that one! Isn't he um, Paul Ashley Rudd in... Credited in the 
Ooh, you might be right. It's one. Of, I, it's, it's not his first credit, is it? But it's one of his almost. Yeah, first. one of it is. It's his, How many are there? His first credit. It, it comes before Clueless. There is seven, eight, nine, ten. At the moment, there's ten. Eleven is going to be released. Well, Stan only has three and four. The two Rob Zombie ones and Halloween H two O, which I have seen. Oh, it doesn't have five okay. or six. Well, no, that's okay because oh, five and six got... are fucking oh. terrible. Well, I've got five and six. I can lend them to you. Okay. I think they might be no excuses on, now. Uh, Shutter. You can get like a free seven day trial of Shutter. <laughs> just use it to watch those movies. Um, like Friday the Thirteenth. Like the first one is not even on stand. All the other ones are. But... I've got that on DVD for you too. Yeah, I got a DVD as well. Just send I've me got, a list. Drop them around. Don't we? I've got three Friday the Thirteenth, four Friday the Thirteenth box sets. Oh well, the so... next time you're in Ringwood, just drop them off. Give me the list. Why the fuck would I ever go to Ringwood? <laughs> Thank you. Do you want me to watch the movies or not? <laughs> I live in the Mornington Peninsula. Why the fuck am I going out east? Oh, we'll come visit you. We'll come visit you. Fair enough. Paul you Stephen Rudd. Definitely come uh, visit. Oh, Ashley. Paul Stephen Rudd. Paul uh, Stephen Rudd. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't sound right in my head. First, that was that was his first film credit, and it, 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 he he shot it before oh, Clueless. No, it's fine. And he looks the same age as he does now. What uh, the fuck is this? It's our edit point. Like edit po- it's an edit point from Michelle. <laughs> yeah, but you should have done oh, that like right. half an hour ago. Most of this is going to be cut out. Yeah, yeah well, no, this part, yeah, cut this part out. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's, this is let's all fun. This is just part of the fans. Okay. Um, okay, I've got something. Yeah. How's this for a random person that went on to, well, you could argue went on to a big career or not? But Dana Carvey's actually in this movie. Yes. For like. Carvey? Two or three seconds. Two yeah. seconds. Yeah. He's the assistant to the blonde uh, reporter at the start. That's over, yeah. sort of eavesdropping on uh, Loomis when they're talking, you know, trying to find out what's happened and bodies and blah blah blah. So right at the start of the movie, yeah. Danny Carvey wearing a baseball cap as the assistant. Wow. Not many yeah. other people from this film went on to do anything though, did they? This is one of those casts where, like, you guys really got like chewed up and spat out. Like occasionally. Yeah. You know, you'll see a, you know, with Halloween 6, the Paul Rudd is like, oh, my God, Paul Rudd's in this movie. Or with Friday 13th, you're like, oh, my God, Kevin Bacon. With this one, Lance Night Guest. Right now, she what, a, what, a, what a career Lance Guest had, hey, old Jimmy. Or Pamela Susan Shoop. Or Gloria <laughs> Gifford. Or even Dick Warlock. Like, Dick Warlock does all the, the con circuit now, but he didn't really go. Like, no one in here, including Rick Rosenthal, the director, like, no one really catapulted out of this film into anything no good. Um how Rick Rosenthal ended up scoring the gig to direct Halloween Resurrection is beyond me. I guess they were like, we need something to get fans excited. Um, you know. So we... why don't we choose the guy who's directed Halloween 2? <laughs> that seems like a fucking long bow to draw. <laughs> yeah, the only other time I can think of that happening uh, is they, when they got the guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, the guy to directed um, GoldenEye to come back and do uh, Casino Martin. Royale. Oh, Martin, Martin Donna, that that one worked Martin, that no, time. Campbell, Martin, Martin Campbell. Campbell, yeah, Martin Campbell. Yeah, um, yeah. You think like, of oh, Richard Donner? Which Halloween movie did Richard Donner direct? <laughs> 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 was that was that the one where uh, Michael Myers teams up with uh, a sassy black detective and they go out and and solve the murders that Michael's committing? No, no, no. You're confusing it with the one where he joins up with the kids and they find the pirate ship. Scooby Doo. That would be an amazing crossover. <laughs> Imagine if at the end of the Goonies, instead of finding junk, they just like they open the door 
and it's Michael Myers, Myers and he just fucking murders them. <laughs> Goonies never say, ah! That'd be great. Oh, God, I want to see that movie now. That can be Goonies too. Like, you get the original yeah. cast back, back, there's all this hype, everyone's excited, and then like 15 minutes in, they open the door and Michael Myers there and he kills everyone. <laughs> and then you just move on. It's a Michael Myers movie now. It's like, what the fuck? Or, alternatively, it's just, it starts... And everybody's having a party, and Corey Feldman is <laughs> this deep, this deep in a K hole, and everybody leaves because they're sick of his shit. And we just spend ninety minutes while he trips balls. Oh my that's god! That's a film. And periodically, that's a film puts I would on watch. his albums, and he's like, "Just listen to this, guys. Listen to this," and like <laughs> mouths along to his own albums. Just, he uh, is. If anyone wants to have a good days. time, look up YouTube clips of Corey Feldman performing his music live, but not on concerts look up the the footage of him performing live on like the morning shows in america where it's like 7 a.m and you've got these perky hosts like and now here we have uh and he comes out like dead serious in his michael jackson outfit singing these really intense songs about the trauma he went through but to like weird backing music Mm. and he usually has no backing dance it's just him on this weird vacant space on a morning show just going i can't wait it's amazing it's amazing stuff I feel like this podcast is derailed. <laughs> it usually does. No, this is, it all ties back. It works, though. It Look, works, at though. Fel- at it least keeps, Feldman was in the, vibes high. the Friday the 13th movie. You know, he was in Friday the yeah. 13th 4, so at least we're keeping it slash over Friday the 13th 4. When does he go to Friday space? Friday the 13th, the final chapter. 10. Thank you. 10. Oh, 10. That's a lot of movies. Well, that's why it's called Jason X. Oh, I still yeah, have a life here he... just because I don't work. I have other things I could be doing. Actually... While we're talking about Corey Feldman, I don't know why, maybe my, you know, a bit of Mandela effect. For a long time, I could have sworn Corey Feldman was in two of those movies. I know they use a sort of flashback or they did he, the cameo. He is, he is in, he's well, in I know Fibers. he technically is, but I, I felt like for a long time, because I hadn't seen some of those Friday the 13th movies for a long time, I felt like he was in two full movies. And I was like, oh. No. no. Yeah, no. His, char- yeah. his character, Tommy Jarvis, was in yes, three of course. Films. The Tommy yes, Jarvis of course, trilogy, yeah. which is amazing. Um, but yeah, yeah like it's best, and it's new footage they shot for five. So yeah. oh no no no, like I get it's that flashback yeah. stuff. It's like literally him mm. doing a new scene pre-credit. So you're forgiven for thinking that because they trick you into thinking that. Yeah. Um, so when you do marathons as a kid, and you sort of you sort of lose track of where you're at. Yeah, I thought. He was and also as a kid, where they keep telling you like this is Tommy Jarvis, and you're like, okay, I guess this is the same guy. Like you lose perspective. <laughs> I didn't even know the name of the actor who played Tommy Jarvis in five and six. Well, it's two different. Actors. No, it's two different. Because one one became a born again Christian, so it didn't come back to the second one. That was number that was number five, and then number six was a guy called Tom Matthews, who is now uh, in the construction business. He's not an actor anymore. Wow. He was an actor all the way up to the late nineties, and now he's pretty successful in the construction business. Don't ask me how I know that. I, I believe it's just from a lot of research and interest. It's passion. It's you being passionate. Have you yeah. seen the documentary, Camp Crystal Lake Memories? Not uh, all of it. Is it? It's like it's very long, isn't it? Oh, it's like nine hours long. Yeah, I've watched. Mm. I think probably it's, like three of those hours. Yeah, it's the fucking tits. It's so good. Yeah, mm. they really went all out. I liked it a lot. Oh my god, so good. I might watch it now. Oh, I made oh. about this. Uh, just like a final thing that I I found weird about the movie, especially given everything that we've talked about, is the edit of Halloween 2 was redone by Carpenter because he didn't like the pacing of the first 
edit. There's the, the quote that I've got here is that he found it as scary as an episode of Quincy ME, mm. um, which, you know, is a medical procedural show like mm. uh, Diagnosis Murder. It's not meant to be scary. And so he went in and uh, and tried to speed it up. But apparently Rosenthal wanted the sequel to feel more like the original. He wanted to emulate the tension and not the gore. And he got angry at Carpenter for speeding things up and getting to the gore and focusing on that more. This smells a bit like bullshit, bullshit to me. <laughs> I can believe that Carpenter took over the editing to try and speed up what is a very slow film. I can't believe that Carpenter was like, let's focus on the blood. And the other guy was like, no, I don't want, I don't think that Rick Rosenthal was out there shooting stuff, trying to make it creepy and slow. I think he was trying to show blood. And then everyone was like, what's going on? He's like, Carpenter did it. And he made, he did, he did the <laughs> thing. He cut it together like that. It's you got to remember as well, this was, this was Rick Rosenthal's first this was Rick Rosenthal's first film. And the reason that he ended up getting it was because he made a couple of short films at NYU or whatever it was that he was at that garnered a bit of attention and he got himself an agent and the agent happened to be the same agent as John Carpenter. So when John Carpenter said that he wasn't going to do it, then the agent said, well, I've got this new kid on the block, Rick Rosenthal, maybe he can do it. So he's inexperienced as well. By this time, like by this time, John Carpenter has already made Dark Star, Halloween, Assault and Precinct Thirteen, The Fog. Like he's already well entrenched in the horror in in the horror catalogs. And the idea that John Carpenter and none of those films relied on gore. None of them. None of them. One of the most controversial moments in John Carpenter's career was in Assault and Precinct Thirteen, when a young girl goes up to an ice cream truck and she gets murdered. And it was like, it was this absolutely horrifying moment. And yet it's the concept that is horrifying because yeah. there's no blood. So the idea that John Carpenter's come in and then just tried to speed everything up and then insert all the gore back in is frankly insane, which smells to me like Rick Rosenthal doesn't want to eat any fucking humble pie because he realizes that he's made a bad film. Yeah. yeah and he here did. at the end of The Rent. <laughs> rant, rant over. End of rant. End of rant. Yeah. End of rant. Uh, also, the trademark. Yeah. Only Halloween movie to show. Trademark. Uh, yeah. The morning is trademark. after. This is the oh. only time we get to see the morning after Halloween night. Every other Halloween film ends uh, Halloween. We get to see the morning after in this one. And guess what? It's foggy. It's foggy because um, uh, Antonio foggy. Bay uh, is just around the corner, and um, some weird shit happened with Ghost Pirates the night before. So you know, it all ties back together. Uh, Have you seen uh, the Fog Michelle? <laughs> don't, don't even start it. If you, uh, I know the answer is no, Start but if you ask. say, if you say I've seen the remake, I I will come to your house and flip over a table. I haven't, and you just said you wouldn't come to Ringwood anyway. So no, he said he would. Uh, he <laughs> no, I said I wouldn't come to Ringwood. I feel, I feel like I was gonna like be able to ride my bike over with a couple of DVDs. Now I feel like I just have to get a moving truck. Beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> We'll yeah. be back in ten years when she's finished watching everything. Wow! It'll be cued to that, like that meme of uh, that old woman on the Titanic. It's like it's, oh, it's been eighty-six years. <laughs> <laughs> she's finally watched all these horror movies. I've anyway. seen Nightmare on Elm Street. The which one? <laughs> the original. Okay. Well, look, there's been and a few. And the remake, but um, the originals. There's been a few. Uh, the remake, Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Oh my yeah. god, that was movie. It? Okay, uh, so I think okay. I think we've all fairly uh, have we ever talked about Halloween too? 
we talked about it a lot. I think, and I think we've all fairly come to the conclusion that this film has merit uh, in the canon of the Halloween films. It has memorable moments and fun moments, but it sounds like we're all on the same page that this film really isn't uh, a success. Um, yeah. Which honestly pains me to say because I, I remember enjoying it yeah. when I watched it when I was younger. Mm. And when I rewatched it, like, I think last year, I was genuinely surprised at how much less I enjoyed it. Like, I still like parts of it, but like I said, it is slow. Mm. It is quiet. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, the deaths are just like, yeah, stab, next one, whatever. Um, I really was a bit bummed out about Pretty how much soulless. Less yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, from my point of view, that, you know, it was one of those movies too that, Unfortunately, you've got to either decide to watch it because you want to watch it and see it for yourself and make your own judgment on it. But I think it has been one of those sequels that has, whether unfairly or not, has been slammed over the years that you kind of go, oh, now it's going to be shit. And then the first time I sat down and really watched it, I go, oh, I actually enjoyed that a lot more. And I don't think it's as bad as people make out. But you're right, the, the couple of viewings, even today, when I was sort of looking back on it, I enjoyed parts of it, but it does feel a little bit more of a slog. Um, so then maybe it's like, well, well, maybe it isn't that great a film and maybe everyone was right. And just the first time I watched it in its entirety and was able to sit down and relax and watch it, that I didn't have a high bar for it. So then when it went above that, that, well, sorry, that low bar went above that. I'm like, oh, this is a lot better than people give it credit for. Um, yeah, I, I still don't know how I feel about it, but I will say one of the positives going back to what we were talking about before, Sean was, yeah, shooting it all at night, yeah, it would have been hard. But I think they do such a good job. Visually, it's a it very... Looks good. I think it's really solid visually. It's a good-looking movie. Um, I agree. And that's definitely one of its very positive traits. Like you said, it's, it's pretty hard to do all that stuff. It's not an easy shoot for entirely being night. Obviously, in a building that's quite dark as well at times, not well lit. Um, but, yeah, overall, I, I, I think visually I love the movie. I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. I agree. Should it exist? Is if we're looking back now at sequels, no. does it does it earn its its existence? No, definitely not. No, there's very few sequels that that do earn earn its earn its status. Godfather is probably the most notable, but Top Gun the, the idea, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, yeah, Top Gun Maverick, Scream, but even then, Top, yeah, but I mean, the we world, world turn you off now. The world is the world is richer for having Scream Two, but it's Definitely not a necessity. Like Scream could have been one and done, and yeah, it would have been. It would have been. that you hang up. The fact, the, in hindsight, <laughs> that we've got two, two and three. Like we're we're stoked that we've got them, but we didn't need them by any stretch. But I, I don't think it's the same sentiment here. Is that yeah. Halloween? Halloween one is like the the film community and culture is richer for having it. But Halloween 2 just, you can't even watch Halloween 2 and say, oh, I'm so glad that it exists as a result. It's not like Scream 2. It's not like The Godfather Part 2. You're like, it's just, it's just a bit shit. And that's kind of like you said, Angus, it's a little bit heartbreaking to say. I'm a little bit heartbroken. It's, I've got such fond memories of it. And I get such fond nostalgia for everything that came along with it. But it's just not very good. <laughs> that's a problem. And I think it's it's a little bit telling that the film series itself has kept trying to kind of forget it's there. Like, like yeah. I said, like after this, we don't get Laurie and, and Michael again. Like we go to a completely different series with Halloween 3. 
And then when we come back to Michael Myers with Halloween four, that there is no Laurie and we're off on a different storyline for a couple of movies. And then H2O mm. kind of acknowledges, you know, the brother sister thing, but really is focused more on number one. And then straight up in 2010 with the most recent trilogy, they've just said, no, <laughs> no, mm. no to this ever existing. And so now as mm. film, you know, film fans, we have this weird, rare circumstance where if we do want a sequel, to John Carpenter's Halloween, we can pick which one. Mm. We, we can pick where we yeah. go. There. We can go straight to four and it means nothing. We can we can go 20 years later H2O and it means nothing. We can go 40 years later to 2018. That means nothing. And it's almost like the Halloween series has become a choose-your-own-adventure. Mm. But I mean, in almost can, every outcome, number two gets lifted out straight away. You can, you can almost even just go straight to Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. You can go from Halloween Carpenter's to Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And it's probably getting more merit than Rick Rosenthal's installment. Yeah, it's, it's such a weird situation a to weird be able to film to, in, in yeah a canon and existing. It's yeah. not, there's not fan fiction. It's not like no in the books. This is like no, no, no. You can literally pick a studio released Halloween movie and decide that that's going to be your sequel to John Carpenter's. And I don't think in a lot of people's choices that this is going to be the one they land on. Like, you know, if yeah, I'm going to sit no, down and watch not. a run of Halloween movies just for shits and giggles, I'm probably going to jump over this and go, you know, H2O or, or H40 and, and have a more enjoyable H2O. experience. H2O for the win. Yeah. So like, why do I have to watch the rest of these? <laughs> because they're important to the history of our culture. <laughs> as because film nerds, as don't Halloween ask lovers. Questions. <laughs> don't ask questions. If you want to be a part of this, you're going to have to fucking sit through the. Just like the rest of us did. Since when did you know this what? become a foursome podcast? Who you put know him why? In it's because you will appreciate Halloween H2O mm. and Halloween 2018 and everything that came after so much more mm. once you know what came in between. I know, and look, and not to get on my high horse and get too much into Michelle, but if you're such a Scream fan, you've got to kind of know how that evolved from Kevin Williamson loving Halloween and Friday the 13th and some of these other movies that were inspired. So you you said that about Prom Night, and that didn't make me appreciate Scream anymore. No, but I I think that was more of a line for that movie. But a a lot of... he (laughs) Scream was inspired by... uh, Jason Lives and Halloween. I'm just trying to think. There was definitely one of the the Friday the 13th movies that was sort of in the middle tier. There's that reference to that Casey Becker scene in this one, like when Laurie Strode gets out of the car and... She sees the people and she can't yell out to them. Yes. So I picked that up. Yeah. 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 These these movies, this the Halloween series is responsible. The good and the bad in the Halloween series is responsible for so many of the good mm. horror movies that came since because the people, you know, like us watched them when we were kids and then we're like, this gives me a great fucking idea. Mm. The screenwriters mm. went out and wrote these stories that then as we grew up, we kept watching them like, oh, that's a cool idea. Well, Where'd that come from? The, the crazy thing was when I was watching it this time too, I couldn't help but think Woodsboro is clearly Haddonfield because oh, they got the yeah. same run hospital. Yes, because, which hospital do you go to? It's like so dark and so sort of the stalking around the hospital and all that. I was like, oh my God, like that's... I wonder if that was, especially Scream 5, whether that was sort of heavily inspired by Halloween too. And just like in Halloween, everything in Scream comes back to family. Everyone is somehow related to mm, or wow, connected man. to a, a family member with uh, with Nev Campbell, with Sidney Prescott, and it's the same with Laurie Strode and, and with the following characters. 
it always comes back to family in all the Halloween movies. And I don't think you mm. you get any of that without uh, you don't get any of the scream stuff without that. You you will have fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, any any closing thoughts on Halloween two on Rick Rosenthal's Halloween? Everyone just looks sad now. <laughs> now that we've all had a good no. one, think about it. We're all just a bit like, ah. Oh. No, I probably have to echo what you both said. Is that I enjoyed it, but was it necessary? Uh, I think it's just definitely a cash grab. Everyone, while there's license to print money, we make a one million dollar film and make thirty five million. Uh, I think the other thing that probably made it almost not a not necessarily a necessity but kind of leans into it is the fact that it was called Halloween. I think Halloween being an annual, you know, event, I think, you know, kind of, you know, if it was just called the boogeyman or the shape, it maybe doesn't get a sequel necessarily, but I think you've got Halloween, you've got this tie-in, yeah, you've got a tie-in to an event, an annual event, especially that's big in, in the States. I think that's just license to print money. You've got a time to bring the film out as well. So, Maybe that's the other other hook is that it's called Halloween. And look at it outgrossed uh, The Howling in 81, Friday 13th Part 2 and Omen Part 3 on 81. Like it it definitely, box office wise. That's, it, that's it, a it, big year for horror. Man, I think just about every year in the 80s, he's like, what? Like 1981, every three months, there's like a titan of the genre coming up. It's just insane. Yeah. I only found out this year that The Thing and Blade Runner were released on the same day. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I found that out a couple of months so ago good. as well. <laughs> Cinema used Crazy, to be so good man. all the time. Yeah. And now we got fucking and no one saw Zac movies. Efron. Oh, wow. Yeah. In the Firestarter remake, that was a, t- that was a tough hang. That one. Yeah. <laughs> I never want to fucking talk about <laughs> yeah. Never want to talk about that fucking film again. I was just absolutely like, why the fuck is John Carpenter screaming? Why is he fucking scoring that? Just, because he no, never got to make just, it. This, this, is this is him finally getting to be a part of that film because he got kicked off Firestarter after the thing. Yeah. And then he yeah. always wanted to do it. And then he went up doing Christine anyway because they kicked him off because it was like, no, Stephen King properties are too, too hot to hand over to someone who just had a bomb. And then they immediately turned around and were like, do you want to do the killer car movie? No, no. But yeah. John they... Carpenter sitting sitting with his fucking head in his hands for, for three months. It's like, how the hell do you make a car scary? Wow. <laughs> Christine's got a crazy, crazy cult following and I don't mm. get it. Yeah, I, it's it's a grower, I think. Mm. First first time I watched it, I was like, all right. And then it was <laughs> on. Like, I can't remember where. It was just on and I sat down and watched half it. I was like, remember thinking that was that cool last time i really liked that and then mm. i went out and bought it on blu-ray and sat down and watched it. i was like oh mm, i like this yeah. this is goo it's definitely having michelle have you seen christine <laughs> just stop asking it could be like a drinking game at this point no i have not <laughs> oh i would be brain dead by now on the floor <laughs> more so than usual if we ever need to feel like 90 Savage. seconds on the podcast we should just ask michelle what movies she has seen yeah, we can get. I just, no, I just, oh my god, I just want to see the super cut of it. Michelle, have you seen this? No. Have you seen this? No. no. Michelle, have you seen this? No. Michelle, have you ever seen this? No. It's just bang, 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 bang. No, Next week. Yeah. And the, oh, sequel suck. The fun of it is, as the person who edits all of the footage for sequel suck, Michelle would have to be the one to put that together. <laughs> we could make that happen. We're never gonna see that. That would be We're incredible. Never gonna see it. That would be such. Oh, such do you know? Do you know? 
Do you know what the big horror news is for me? Is that uh, next month, October 6th, I think it is, Hulu, who have just come off the back of great success with the Predator mm-hmm. reboot slash sequel Prey, mm-hmm. Hulu are going to drop Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, they've, re- they've remade Hellraiser and they've yes. recast Pinhead as a woman. Yes. Yeah, have you seen the first look images? I have. I I'm, hate I'm not convinced yet. But the, if you've the ever nails read in her Clyde head Barker's... have little gems on them. That feels oh, make it pretty. Yeah, it's that <laughs> yeah. She's been jeweled. And, and the effects the like though... the, all the like cutting around her neck is all CG instead of practical effect. I'm really... but there's no, also it, isn't. it is, yeah, yeah. It's all CG. Shut unless up. unless they've digitally if I touched fucking it up. Find out that that's different. Come to Ringwood, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna get you. Um, you don't live in Ringwood, do you? I don't live in Ringwood. <laughs> no. in Ringwood. I'm not, I'm not gonna tell like, you where I, I live. <laughs> no, I, I know where he lives. Where <laughs> um, <laughs> there's also a series that's happening as well, like unconnected to the reboot. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah there's yeah. a Hellraiser TV series, mm. uh, and the series. Michelle, and no, before you have ask. You, <laughs> have you seen Hellraiser? No. Damn it, Hellraiser's pretty good. Yeah. Who the fuck? Uh, the book sucks. I'm amazed that the movie, like, did the book sucks. The Clive Barker book. It's real bad. The Hellbound Heart. I yeah. love it. I've no, read it about it. four times. I hate it. It's the book. When you were of, reading it, the book version. Of were you using two, your eyes? Just really slow. <laughs> and Do you dull, have ears? <laughs> and then nothing much happens. I listened to the audio book as well, where Clive. Oh, Barker I was going. I was going to say, don't tell me. When you said you have eyes, can you read? It's like <laughs> Angus probably listened to it. No, no, I, I read it. Uh, but curiously, curiously, in the Hellbound Heart, he actually describes Pinhead. Well, he doesn't call it Pinhead at first. Pinhead was was given to the, the character later on. It's called the Hell Priest. The Hell is it, Priest, and isn't it was, a woman in the book? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's not strictly a woman, but deliberately androgynous. Mm. And and the box, Le Marchand's, <laughs> yeah, Le Marchand's box. Le Marchand's box wasn't the the sort of brass engraved thing that it's become. It was just plain black lacquered faces with no clue as to how to open the box or anything like that. Like there was some curious to see what changes they're going to make in the reboot. I'm excited for it though. I think think Barker's imagination is pretty ripe. If you want to talk like an 80s horror series that really went off the friggin' rails and is in needing of being brought back to some glory days. Hellraiser is the one. Fuck me, right? Like, it just... It got bad Diabolical. and then it got worse. How many movies were there in Hellraiser? The remake is gonna... The remake that's coming out is gonna be 11. Didn't even know there was that many. Um, and the... One of the main people attached to be, like, the... the, over, the What do you call it? The showrunner? The main guys for the Hellraiser TV series. David Gordon Green, baby. He's back. Uh... Okay. I'm, I'm feeling, really? Yeah, I'm more excited about um about the TV series than the movie because if they re- if they say evil dies tonight in Hellraiser, you're out, aren't you, Angus? <laughs> Why? Done for. Oh god. I, what I hope is uh, in the TV series that at the end of every episode, or no, at the beginning, it's just Pinhead looking straight at the camera, just saying, "We have such sights to show you tonight," and he just everything is tonight and over again. He just says it again and again and again and then again, and then people start chanting, "We have such sights to show you tonight," and then everybody's like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah, I think the TV series will be good. What were we talking about? 
Palliative. <laughs> did we wrap that up? Did we... Yes, I think we've wrapped it up. Did Unless we get... anyone's got Do we any have an endpoint for the positive... edit? We cut all this nonsense out to actually... I like that the start of it continued on yeah. from the first one because yeah. that doesn't happen a lot in sequels. Usually it's like a year later or two years later. It's mm. like that part of it's cool. Mm. It's like a TV show almost. It keeps going. But yeah. What do you think Friday 13th 2 does... Sure. Yeah, well. oh, no, it's not like oh, the exact same night, there, but it, yeah. it picks they up with her in the hospital and then it kind of moves forward a little bit. Yeah, it, it's it well, I think a, cool. a few of the Fridays pretty much they give a recap of the previous movie leading into the next one, as if like yeah. if you haven't seen the other one for a while or you couldn't rent it, you well, know, yeah, we're giving you a quick refresher. Four, three or four is really weird. I can't remember which one, but it's really weird because it's like the camp counselor sits them down. It's like I'm gonna tell you guys what happens, and like the first like, two minutes. Spoiler alert! Is that two? It's part part two, yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, like the first minutes is just like the whole. It's just them recapping the entire oh. fucking first film, and like yeah. showing footage of each death. It was like, how would he yeah. know that happened? He wasn't there. Yeah. Anyway, um, sleep tight, kids. Yes. <laughs> Save them all off the bed. Evil dies tonight. Just out of curiosity, how many how many stars did you guys give it? I think my answer is such a long and complicated answer, but same with what I said, because it's hard to, to go back. I think it probably settles at like two and three quarters. I don't know. Like there's a lot of nostalgia there. There's a lot of like remembering how much I liked it when I first watched it, but giving it like three stars feels like it's too good, but just giving it two stars sounds like I think that it's abysmal. And I, I really don't know how I feel about it. Two and three I'll, quarters. I'll jump in. I, I still enjoyed it. But if you're comparing it to the first one, it's not even. You can I almost mean, say it's the first not even one's half. Five. Yeah. Yeah. What is this? I think it similar angles. I th- I was thinking, you know, two and a half, but almost maybe a three because the nostalgia is still there. It's still Michael Myers. It's still Jamie Lee Curtis playing her role, uh, even though it was a smaller, uh, condensed version of that. But I think it's not one that I'm going to be putting on a hell of a lot to watch, to be honest. No. I think I'm probably done almost for my lifetime. Maybe watch it one more time. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think maybe two and three quarters is probably about a, right. 2.75. I'd say probably like a two. I definitely liked it the first time better, but trying to watch it again tonight, like it was hard to get through. Yeah, probably like a two. Definitely a two. Definitely a flat two. And that's only because if, yeah, it's a flat two. Like if, if Kundi wasn't the mm. man, Wow. I mean, it would be fucking next to unwatchable. It would be bad. Yeah. It would be a bad, bad film. And if it didn't have the score propping yeah. it up, like the score does a lot of heavy lifting in this movie just by reminding yeah. us of the first one. Like it has so many of the same yeah. things from the first movie. And you hear like the... And you're like, oh, yeah, Halloween. And you kind of forget for a moment that this is Halloween too. Angus, has anybody ever told you you've got a voice of an angel? Uh, no, but I'll take it. Do it again. Do it again. Just can you loop this to be a ten hour YouTube video? It's like he's got the voice of Jesus and Fergie. That's going to be the song at the end now. And on the on the seventh day, he said, "Big girls don't cry." That's good. On another note, let's see a jumper. The the product. It's there you go. Scream forever. And what does the bottom part say? Sequels suck. And it's not Scream Forever, oh, it's yeah, Scream course. 4 Forever. Ah, yeah, Scream 4 Forever. Good mm. job. You're just wrapping all the merch. <laughs> what does uh, it say? Hear the swing by Everclear. 
Yeah. I think this is, is this the pop part where I go, how are you wearing the merch that Michelle gave you like two days ago? And I gave you a shirt like six months ago and I've never seen you wear it. I usually God, wear jealous it under, I usually wear it under the jumper the hoodie, uh... that I'm wearing and then I forget to take the hoodie off and record. And because up until recently, there was no like <clears throat> video footage that was going out. It was all audio. Yeah, I was never like, oh, I got to show the t-shirt. I'd finish recording. Like, I don't think Gable knew I was wearing this t-shirt. <laughs> It's one of the uh, my wife wears it's gonna be embarrassing to the gym a lot, so oh, yeah, yeah. Mine's under there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my wife just wears uh the secret suck t shirts to the gym a lot, too. You know, so, see, I don't have one getting, of them yet. Getting promo at the gym, baby. Bring Represent. out the new ones with our faces on them. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, we'll we'll tee up three in the very near future. Uh, as soon Tomorrow. as Michelle can get around to watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I need, need to go watch it right now. Yeah, go. I'm I'm Thank almost tempted to. After talking about two, I'm like, I really want to watch three. I got the score to three on vinyl recently. It's fucking beautiful. It's so uh, good. Let's wind this up, Angus. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me, guys. No worries. Thank you for joining us, Sean. And thanks, Michelle, for watching Halloween 2 for us. Yeah, no worries. Everyone yeah. go watch Season of the Witch. Well, on that note, don't forget, not all sequels suck. But 